Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. If you've got a paper Bible, I want you to open up to John chapter 18. If you're following along in that mobile app, just go ahead and click the sermon button. You'll be in John chapter 18 with us today. And we're going to start in verse 25. And this is actually uh, part two. This is kind of the sequel to last Sunday. But before we get into the scriptures today, I want you to think about the first time a child learns to walk. Everybody in this room learned how to walk when you were a baby. Everybody remembers what it looks like when that child starts to pull themselves up and be able to stabilize their weight on their own two legs, right? And then you remember the days, maybe for you it was weeks, of trying to figure out how to get your feet moving underneath you. Like children who walk almost like they're drunk and they're going sideways. And as much as a parent wants to stand them up and to help them out, their balance is off because they're top heavy and they keep falling down. And you keep trying to walk as a child and you keep losing your balance and you keep falling down. And no matter how many times you fall, no matter how much it hurts, a child will only figure out how to walk if they keep at it and keep stumbling, and keep getting up, and keep falling down until one day the legs get stronger, until one day they get more motor control, until one day they get a little bit more stable, and then pretty soon they're walking. And for you parents in this room, right after that they're running, and then they're getting into everything, and now your, your life just got a whole lot more difficult, right? Well, the Christian life is a little bit like learning to walk for the first time. And if you don't stumble and fall and don't get back up, you're just going to get stuck where you're at. So I know this is outrageous, but I just want you to picture in your mind a baby who decides, you know what, falling down hurts, and I'm sick and tired of this falling down business, so I'm just not going to walk. And then they become a 30, 50, 70-year-old man who's never learned how to walk because every time they try to walk, they fell down and they just quit when they were a child and never decided to keep getting up and to keep walking. And what I want you to hear from the Bible today is we're going to see one of the great saints of the Bible, one of the great figures of the New Testament who falls hard while they're following Jesus. And all of us fall down from time to time. The truth is, the only way that you don't fall is if you stop moving forward. Anyone who's moving forward might stumble, and for most of us, you will stumble. Now, I'm talking right now about stumbling in your marriage. I'm talking right now about stumbling with a friendship or in your personal life. I'm talking about the guy or the gal in this room that stumbled in work at work, and it cost you severely. But let's just be honest. For all of us, we have probably a time or two stumbled in our faith. Today you get a picture into the great Apostle Peter who stumbles in a really, really spectacular way. And the Bible gives us this description of what it looked like when Peter fell down. 
And I just kind of want to ask this point. Before we even get into the scriptures at this point today, I want to ask, John, why did you decide to include this passage in the Bible? Because all four of the gospel writers talk about Peter denying Jesus the moment that we read about today when Peter stumbles. And if you've been reading the Bible with us, if you've been studying through the Gospel of John, there's obviously a little bit of friendly rivalry between John and Peter, right? John wants us to know that he's the beloved disciple, but Peter's not. John wants us to know that he was leaning on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper, but Peter wasn't. John reminds us that he got a chance to go into the courtyard. Peter was stuck outside until John helped him get into the courtyard. And in the future, John will remind us that he's at the cross. Peter's not. He runs into the tomb. Peter doesn't. So, John, are you showing off today? Is that really what you're doing? And I'm convinced the more that I look at this passage from the Bible, I'm convinced that John included it in the Bible for us today because John knows it's going to happen to you too. It's going to happen to me. And all of us have a lesson. I don't think John is pointing the finger at Peter today. I think John is trying to help us learn how bad it hurts and how to respond when you stumble and fall. Because the truth is, unless you're not moving forward, you're probably going to fall and hurt your knee. And there's a lesson that you can learn from it. So last week... At the beginning of John 18, we started to see Jesus on trial, and Peter decides to try to defend Jesus, but Jesus tells him, Peter, put your sword away. Then Peter wants to get in and hear the trial proceedings and asks John, will you pull some strings so that I can get in there and listen? And at the beginning of last Sunday's sermon, if you missed it, go back and listen to it on our podcast. At the beginning of last Sunday's sermon, the attention was on Peter. And then John takes a break, and he moves to Jesus and describes what this was like when Jesus was under pressure. But John tells us at the beginning of last week, the first time somebody asked Peter, are you one of Jesus' followers? Peter's first reaction was, no, uh-uh, not me. And then today, starting in verse 25, John picks up the rest of the account, what the books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke just record as one story. Peter puts, or John puts a little interlude in here, but now we pick back up, back at John chapter 18. Now, Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, and they, a servant girl and some guards that were at this uh, fire, and they said to him, you are one of his disciples too, are you? Asking Peter, do you belong to Jesus? Because Jesus is in a lot of trouble. Peter, do you follow Jesus too? And his response is, he denied it and said, I am not. And then the Bible tells us that's the second time that he's been asked this question. Now's the third time. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, hey, wait a second. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? And Peter denied it again a third time. And then immediately a rooster crowed. And if you're in the habit of writing in your Bible, you probably should circle that word immediately because it's really, really important. In fact, Matthew, Mark, and Luke stress why that's so important. But I want you to just see 
how bad Peter stumbles here. And the truth is, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at failure. Not my favorite topic to talk about today, but this is where we are in the Bible. And I think there's a lot we can learn from watching Peter today. We're going to take a look at Peter and a look at failure. And I want you to know there's basically five ways that people can respond to failure. We're going to go through these five ways. And I'm going to show you that only one of these five ways is healthy. Only one of them is helpful. You try the other four and you're actually going to make it worse. And the first way that we can actually make it worse is by lying to yourself. Now, there's no question that when Peter was challenged directly, Peter, are you a follower of Jesus? Three times, he lied to the crowd about it. But I found that when Peter, when people fail, when they fall down, when they stumble and skin up their knee, one of the first people that they like to lie to is themselves. And here's what we try to do when we lie to ourselves. Okay, maybe I messed up, but it's not as bad as my neighbor. I'm not as bad, or what I just did isn't as bad as the person that I work with or that other lady. She's much worse than I am. And really what you're doing is you're trying to minimize it, and you're trying to make yourself feel better by making the mistake or the failure less significant. Listen, y'all, we're not going to throw rocks at Peter today. Because the truth is, if it was you or if it was me, chances are we would have done the exact same thing. You see, back in John chapter 18, verse 18, the first time that Peter goes into the courtyard, the Bible tells us it's cold, there's a little fire barrel, and Peter's around the fire barrel, and there's a servant girl who has absolutely no authority, absolutely no power, poses no threat to Peter. She asks him, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? And Peter buckles under the pressure and immediately lies to her. And says, no, I'm not one of his disciples. Then John gives us this little interlude, and we pick up today, still around the fire. And there are other servants, again, posing no real threat to Peter. And they say, wait a second, I'm pretty sure. And if you listen to the other books of the New Testament, I could tell by the tone of your voice that you come from the part of the country where Jesus' disciples come from. I think you are one of his disciples. And again, Peter says, nope, not me. And a third time, and this guy's got him red-handed, right? A third time, one of the servant's relatives, who Peter was in the garden hacking and slashing with his sword, said, I, I know I saw you in the garden, and I know you saw, I saw you hurt my, my relative, hurt my friend. His name is Malchus, uh, a servant of the high priest. And Peter said, no, not me. You got the wrong guy. And Peter is basically trying to dismiss what's going on here. He denies it. And then the Bible tells us the rooster crows. The reason that's important is because just a few chapters back, Jesus said, hey, I'm going to go to the cross, and all of you guys are going to walk away from me, and you're going to leave me high and dry. And Peter says, the rest of these losers may walk out on you, Jesus, but I will never walk out on you. I will stay with you through thick and thin. I will be with you until my death. And Jesus says, oh, really, big shot? Well, before I'm dead, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. And I don't know that that really sat with Peter. 
until this moment. Because when the rooster crows, the other books of the New Testament tell us it crushed Peter. And Jesus shot a look at Peter. And this is a moment where Peter doesn't forget. And I'm certain there's people watching this broadcast, listening to this sermon today, that have had an affair. Or maybe you've committed a a sin at work. Maybe for you, you did something really bad and you hurt your friends or your family. Maybe you murdered on the battlefield and nobody knows it but you. Maybe it was an abortion. Maybe it was a divorce and you're reeling from it and you're still hurting from it. And you would say, man, I know I made a mistake, but your first reaction is to try to minimize the mistake and just say, it was bad what I did, but it's not as bad as that person. And really all you're doing at this point is you're trying to fool yourself. You're trying to lie to yourself. And everybody who's ever tried that knows lying to yourself doesn't work. Lying to yourself doesn't make anything better. Nothing good comes out of trying to deceive yourself. It's only when you start to take responsibility and recognize, hey, I messed up, and man, it was a mistake. It's only then That stuff has the chance of getting better. As long as you try to fool yourself by comparing yourself with somebody else, you're never really going to grow from this. You're never really going to get better from it. And you know, there's a second mistake that people do to try to minimize their sin, minimize their failures, and turn a mistake into a bigger mistake. And here it is on the screens. They try to lighten it. And what I mean by lighten it is that they say, okay, I admit it, I messed up. But you know what? It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I messed up, but it's just not that big of a deal. And really what they're trying to do is to make a mistake a little bit less painful. And what I want you to hear from me this morning is trying to make it a little less painful minimizes the problem. And when you minimize the problem, you make it possible to do it again and again and again. You see, way back in John 13, when Jesus warned Peter that this was going to happen, I know Peter heard those words, but they must have went in one ear and out the other and didn't go to his heart because Jesus predicted this very thing would happen, and Peter does it anyway. And while he's in that courtyard, the first time Peter lied, he had a chance to fix it the second or the third time, but he didn't. He didn't learn from it. He didn't, uh, I, I think really what he tried to do is rationalize it or explain it away. The first time he was asked if you're one of Jesus' disciples, and because he didn't learn from the first time, he fell right back into it a second and a third time. Do you know the rehab centers around the world are full of people who do this right here? that say, yeah, I got a problem, but it's not that big of a deal, but I can handle it. And they keep trying to handle it, keep trying to fix it, keep trying to take care of things all on their own until they get to the point that they finally realize, "Uh uh-oh, maybe I can't handle it. Maybe I can't fix it. Maybe I'm not big enough to handle it all on my own. Maybe I need help to handle this mistake or this failure. And when you finally get to that point, now you're at the edge of fixing it. Now you're at the, the, the chance of things getting better. Stumbling and skinning your knees is painful. And if you're not careful, you'll try to minimize the pain 
by lightening it, by, by making it not that big of a deal. Listen to me. I know this isn't fun to hear, but part of the process of getting better and stronger is by going through the pain. Instead of trying to go around the pain, instead of trying to minimize the pain, instead of trying to make it like it's just not that big of a deal. Now, the third way that people try to minimize their mistakes is they try to act like, live like it didn't happen. And by this, I mean, now they're trying to turn their fault into somebody else's problem. They're trying to blame it on somebody else. And they like to talk about circumstances right now. And this is where hypocrites start to show up because the hypocrite can easily see the speck in somebody else's eye, but Jesus says they miss the fact that they've got a plank or a log sticking out of their own eye. They're the people that want to point the finger at Peter right now and say, Peter, you messed up, but they can't see when they make their own mistakes. They, they make their own failures because they're so busy focused on other people's mistakes. And they try to live their life like it didn't happen. And as long as you try to live your life like it didn't happen, as long as you try to minimize the pain, as long as you try to make it like it's no big deal, you have the chance of going through it over and over again. Do you know all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of the first books of the New Testament record this incident? And if you're sitting there thinking to yourself, so what, Jeff? Let me just remind you, there are very, very few incidents in Jesus' life that those four books, all of them talk about this incident. They all talk about Peter. And they all talk about Peter in great detail. And I'm convinced they all include Peter because all of them are thinking to themselves, it could have easily been me. It just happened to be Peter. And I want to learn from Peter's mistake so that I don't repeat Peter's mistake. And if Peter tried to act like it didn't happen, if, tr if I try to act like it didn't happen, then I'm going to go through the exact same thing that Peter went through. You see, the Bible tells us Peter not once, but three times. Not only did he deny Jesus, and not only did he fail, did his faith fail him, but he broke the Ten Commandments and perjured himself. He falsely, or he lied in the process and said, nope. In fact, the other translations tell you, the other books tell you, he even claimed, I don't even know who you're talking about. I don't even know who that guy is. That's how bad Peter fell, hill, fair, fell here. And he falls and he skins himself up. And the natural human reaction is to try to minimize it. Maybe you're going to try to lie to yourself and convince yourself, you know what? It's no big deal, or you know what, what I did is bad, but what she did is worse. Maybe you're going to try to lighten it, and you're going to try to compare yourself, or you're going to try to minimize. It's just not that big of a deal. Maybe you'll even try to live like it didn't happen. Those three responses to failure when you stumble are really, really dangerous because they leave the door wide open for it to happen again. Look, part of, the problem is, part of the process of skinning your knees up is it's supposed to hurt so that you make some changes and don't fall and skin your knee up in the future. But there's a fourth response, and this is kind of the opposite side of the coin. 
And unfortunately, this is where some church people live when we mess up and when we fail and when our faith lets us down or when our faith fails us. And it's taking the approach of living in it and you stay there forever. And I'm talking about the guy or the gal right now that can't stand to look at themselves in the mirror because every time they do, they're ashamed of their past. Every time they do, they're angry at themselves for what they did in their past and they know they can't do anything to make it go away. And so now, so now they're stuck there. And listen, when you fell in the past, that that hurts. And learning from it, growing from it, making some changes, that's ultimately the approach that God wants us to take from it. But if you're not careful, you'll take the opposite approach and the pendulum will swing all the way to the other direction. And here's what you'll end up doing. You'll stay there and you'll start to consider yourself a failure because of that mistake that I made in the past. You know, it doesn't matter if you get knocked down. It doesn't matter if you stumble one time or a hundred times. You're not a failure, listen to me, until you refuse to get up. As long as you're willing to keep getting up and keep learning from it, you can grow and get better. But if you're not careful, one time you may decide, you know what? I've messed up so many times that I'm not even going to try anymore. And you get knocked down or you stumble and you stay there. And you don't ever get back up again. Because in your mind, that's it. I've let the people that I love down. I've let God down. I can't do anything right. I am a failure. And this, spoiler alert, is I think what happens to Peter. In fact, John is going to tell us Peter is so distraught He's so devastated by what he does here that he kind of turns his back on being a disciple-making disciple and eventually says, you know what, guys, I'm going back to fishing because I've messed up so bad that's all that I've got left anymore. And it's not until Jesus intervenes and restores Peter that he's able to get back up on his feet again. At this point, I think Peter is living in his sin living in his mistake. And it's okay to own up to your sin. Please hear me. It's not okay to let it own you. It's not okay to let it hover over your head and carry it with you for the rest of your life and take it to your grave. That's not at all how God wants people to respond to their sin. Don't minimize it and act like it's no big deal, but don't let it hang over your head like a dark cloud for the rest of your life. I was just reading not long ago the great Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard who when he was talking about failure, when he was talking about mistakes, wanted to point people's attention to God. And here's what Kierkegaard said. He wrote a book called Christian Discourses and in that book he makes this quote. He said, God's greatest, God's greatness lies in forgiving and showing mercy. Let me say that again. God's greatness is in forgiving and showing mercy. And it's in his greatness that he is greater than the heart which condemns itself. What he's saying is, man, if you're not careful, you'll recognize what I did was bad. And it hurt my family. It hurt the people that I love. And I know it hurt God. And you just stay there and you let it own you. 
when you start to own up to it. If you're not careful, you'll stay there and you'll let it own you. And then Kierkegaard says, you forgot about God in this equation because God is quick to show mercy. God loves to forgive and be gracious. And that's the way that he puts his greatness on display. And if you don't let him forgive you, if you can't forgive yourself or let God forgive you, you're going to stay here for the rest of your life. And this is a miserable place to be. So please, church, hear what I'm saying to you. The first four responses to sin, the first four uh, statements that you see on the screen today, they are the absolute wrong way to handle stumbling and failure. But there is a right way. And I'm going to put it on the screens for you next. You see, at this point in the Bible, we've looked at Peter. At this point in the sermon today, we've been looking at ourselves. But we haven't put a lot of attention into the most important person in this story, into Jesus. And the fifth and the most important, in fact, the only way that's appropriate is when you stumble, when you fail, when you sin and you messed up, learn from it. And you have to go through the process of skinning up your knees and recognizing I was wrong, I made a mistake, that hurts, I don't want to go through it again, so I'm going to make some, or I'm going to make some changes. Here's why the word immediately is important. Because the Bible tells us in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when Peter a third time says, I don't follow that guy. I don't even know who that guy is. I'm not one of his disciples. Immediately, a rooster crows. And I got to wonder, for the rest of his life, when Peter heard the rooster, did he think back to this moment? Because the Bible tells us when that rooster crowed, Jesus shoots a look at Peter. It doesn't tell us what that look is, but Peter is so wrecked by that look that he runs away and he weeps. The other books of the Bible tell us that he weeps bitterly, that he's broken over this look that Jesus gave him. And I want you to just picture in your mind that you're Peter and Jesus is bound and he's being slapped around while you're standing right outside and he can see you and hear you deny him. And when that rooster crows, he looks at you. And now I want to ask you, what does Jesus' eyes look like? Is he angry at you? Is he ashamed of you? Is he disappointed with you? What does Jesus' eyes look like when he looks back at Peter? And Peter is so devastated by that look that he runs away. And he weeps bitterly. And for all that we can tell, he's ready to leave ministry altogether and go back to fishing because he's so broken by this moment. What Jesus' eyes look like, look up here for just a second, tells a great deal about your theology, about sin, about grace, and about the cross. It tells a lot about what you think God is like. Because for some of you out there, 
You have this image of God. Maybe you grew up in a family of performance culture where you were expected to do right, and when you did wrong, life was miserable. Maybe you grew up under this abusive uh, authority that every time you did wrong, they were ready to pounce on you and tell you how bad you are. And if that's the way that you grew up, that may be the way that you view God. And to you, God is nothing more than a school teacher ready to catch you making a mistake so that he can make your life miserable and punish you. And if that's the way that you are, your view of God may be the reason why you're not running to him. In fact, you're running away from him when you mess up. The worst thing that you can do at this point is mess up and run away. If you've messed up, if you've fallen, if you've stumbled, now the most important thing, don't minimize it. Recognize what you did was wrong. Don't live there forever. Instead of running away from Jesus, run to Jesus and remind yourself that he loves to forgive. Remind yourself that he's longing to forgive you. Remind yourself of the story of the prodigal son that spurned his dad's uh, relationship and didn't care if his dad dropped dead. I just want the money from the will. I'm going to go spend it on whatever I want. And when he had wrecked his life and was ready to come home, that father, instead of scolding his son for being a bad boy and living that way, the father runs to greet him and wraps his arms around him and lovingly brings a son or daughter who have, who have messed up and stumbled along the way, brings them back into the family and blesses them. And the story of the prodigal is really not about the son. It's Jesus's way of talking to us about God the Father and what God is like. And you will not learn from it. You will not grow from it if you try to minimize it. If you maximize the mistake and if you live there and if you own it and it owns you and you can't let it go, you don't give God the chance to deal with it. And then what the Bible describes is cast it away and put it as far as the east is from the west. In fact, the book of Hebrews says God refuses to remember your sins after he's forgiven them. You and I can't forget what we've done. But if you were to go to God and say, hey, remember that mistake that I made a long time ago? He'd say, I don't even know what you're talking about because my son Jesus paid for that and I cast it away. And it's gone forever. You see, the reason why the only appropriate response is to learn from it is you really do have to go through the pain of stumbling and skinning your knees up in order to get stronger and make some changes so that that doesn't happen again. But I am convinced, hear me one more time, church, the reason why all four of the gospel writers put this in the Bible is because they knew this is probably going to happen to you, and it might happen to me, and I need you to recognize how Jesus responds. It's not how Peter responds. It's how Jesus responds to this incident that really matters. It matters so much that John puts a huge passage at the end of his book about Jesus and Peter after this event because it's that big of a deal. And for some of you out there that have stumbled 
and you're ashamed of yourself and you don't know what to do, the truth is God is offering you forgiveness. He's inviting you to come back and to get cleaned up. Let him bandage those skinned up knees. Let him put you back on your feet again. And here's the most important lesson. And now tomorrow, when you try to walk, stop trying to walk on your own. Because you were never intended, you weren't designed by God to walk through life on your own. You're going to keep falling. You're going to keep stumbling if you keep trying to walk through life on your own. While Peter was trying to handle the pressure in the courtyard, he stumbled again and again. And if you try to handle it tomorrow, you're going to stumble. You were designed by the creator of the universe to rely on him to get through tomorrow. And the day after that, and the day after that, and the pain of skinning your knees up is a way of reminding yourself, uh-oh, I must be trying to go through this thing on my own. God, forgive me. God, help me tomorrow to lean on you and to not lean on me. I'm gonna put some next steps on the screens, but before we get there, I was listening to this song on the radio, and it's by Zach Williams. We just played it before this sermon started, called The Heart of God. And this song describes the heartbeat of our church. We're not that hypercritical, super judgmental church that's going to point the finger at you and criticize you and judge you when you stumble and when you mess up. Because it happened to Peter, it's going to happen to all of us. And what you need when you stumble and skin your knees up is not somebody criticizing you and condemning you. What you really need is God's people coming alongside of you and coming next to you and lifting you up and saying, hey, we're here for you. Hey, we're not going to let you uh, walk away from your faith because of this. Here's how the song, here's the refrain from the song, The Heart of God when life has been writing you off and you're feeling lost and you're sitting there thinking God is shaking his head, he went to the cross, he went to the cross. So come, prodigal children, it's never too late. It's not too late to be rescued by the heart of God. You see what this song by Zach Williams is reminding you is the cross is God's answer to our failure. The cross is God's response when we fail. Now, if you're not careful, you'll try one of those first four responses, and all four of them will take you down the wrong road. It's only when you are honest with it, learn from it, grow from it. And the lesson that we learn is, God, I'm sorry. God, I've messed up. God, forgive me. And God, I need you this week to make sure that I don't do this again. Because if I try to do it on my own, I know I'm going to do it again and again. So maybe somebody listening today needs to be rescued by Jesus for the first time because you've never been set free from your sins. If that's you, in just a second, I'm going to pray for you. But all of us, every one of us that claim the name of Christ should be able to make this next statement I will run to Jesus when I stumble this week. And when I stumble, I will stop trying to walk on my own. And I will start saying to him, here I am. I'm a mess. I've made some mistakes. Jesus, will you help me walk? Will you help me live the rest of this week so that I don't keep doing what I've been doing in the past? 
We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.